The wonderful sounds of the wetland frogs welcoming us this week and every week to Earth Matters, bringing you environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm Judith Peppard. Today on Earth Matters, we'll meet the Western Port Civil Disobedience, part of Western Port Extinction Rebellion, based on the Mornington Peninsula, about an hour and a half south of Melbourne. They take on the persona of the Oracle of Ancient Greece to communicate with governments, corporations, and the community about the need for urgent action on climate change. Here's one of the coordinators, Janine Wilson. The Sibyls are prophets and foreseers of the future. We foresee the future. We foresee the doom and gloom of the fossil fuel industry. And we want to pass that message on. But they weren't always Sibyls. Back in 2019, during the campaign to stop major polluter AGL from installing a floating storage regasification unit, or FSRU, in Western Port Bay, Tele Kenyon was giving out flyers in Melbourne CBD without much effect. We went to a demonstration in December 2019 and we found ourselves opposite Myers in Burke Street. People looked perplexed. What were these people doing? What was their message? Were they wanting to change? What were they demonstrating about? So then we thought we've got to find some way of being almost like a poster so people would know exactly what we were doing. And in the ensuing month or so, Janine did some research and came up with something that someone was already doing in New South Wales. I was scanning through the internet and on Instagram I saw this magnificent costume which I just thought had everything. It was arresting, it was eye-catching and it had uh, an agitprop, an apron with slogans on it. It became something that I put to the group and everyone put their hand up and said they'd wear one. Then I had to search out and find out where that costume came from and then got on to Anne-Marie Dalziel, who designed it. Anne-Marie Dalziel is an interdisciplinary artist, a creative producer and a climate activist. She grew up in rural Victoria. I was born in country Victoria in the northeast. lived until I was nearly eight in and around Myrtleford, up on the Ovens Valley. I've always been a bush kid and my mother was what we'd call today a horse whisperer. So I rode horses from the time I was a tiny child and that's part of how I relate to the world. I trained to be a doctor and was in Sydney for a short period when I had a fairly catastrophic motorbike accident which ended up changing my life. It was an experience of a major trauma and I came to understand what it is to have a shattered being. It took me some years to feel that the pieces were more or less constellated around me again. And during that time, I found myself working more and more as an artist, working 
from a textile perspective. So I've done a lot of costume design that grew into a career. And then when my son Charlie was two, I realized that I had no idea how to bring up a child in the city. And I started looking for somewhere near to Sydney because so much of my work was constellated there. I found the place where I now live and the country just called me. So I've been there for 30 years. And that's where she was in the summer of 2019, defending her home from the bushfires that raged around Sydney. Before the fires, I'd become involved with a local chapter of Extinction Rebellion and planning to do a big climate march in January of 2020 to raise the the community support for our council to declare a climate emergency and agree to take concrete steps to act upon it. After we'd completed that march and they'd voted yes to declare a climate emergency, COVID struck. Masking was fine, but dealing with physical distancing, I thought, ah, we can wear hooped costumes. I just had immediately an image of what they could be like. And I had a studio full of end rolls of fabrics that I'd found at the tip in op shops at garage sales, a large roll of a really beautiful blue. I actually had two different blues and I had a roll of red, a heavyweight cotton knit. And I thought, oh, if I make bodices out of that, they'll fit everyone because it'll stretch. And being that empire line, they'll be really easy to fit and adjust to anyone. And I already knew that hoop skirts form a cone, which is a beautiful billboard for presenting images or texts if you want to communicate with people over a broader distance. I knew banners would work on that. They're fun. The hoop gives a beautiful momentum to the skirt. Very quickly, we found we were all happiest when we moved very slowly I've worked with people who trained in Beijing. There's a training where you learn to do a gliding walk, so you glide across the ground. I remembered enough of that that we could practice, so we learned to move very, very slowly in that contemplative space. And we started to notice that people in the street, if we were silent and just did this very quiet, unthreatening approach, they'd be fascinated by the spectacle of this line of conical people you'd watch their shoulders drop and people would begin to smile and then they would read the slogans on the banners we'd pinned to the skirts. It might be no more gas. When we went to Rupert Murdoch's office, it was Lord of the Lies. Very simple, which is why I called them agitprop because it followed on from the revolutionary art traditions of the 20s and 30s. That's all part of the background world that the Sybils emerged from. Anne-Marie Dalziel, interdisciplinary artist and climate activist based in Mittagong in New South Wales. So what did Anne-Marie do when she received an email from people in the Western Port Extinction Rebellion group who wanted to become Sybils? I just thought they were the most wonderful people. They were deeply respectful. They were lively. They were out doing things. They sent me a great set of questions. I sent a response. I sent them just a description and they made this brilliant PDF, How to Make a Sybil Costume, which included what had inspired me very briefly, how it had come about and how to construct them. And we agreed it should be open source. So anyone who wanted to take on this form of performance could. That's it in a nutshell, Judith. (laughs) 
And that was Anne-Marie Dalziel, and she was sitting in front of a huge tree in Sydney when we spoke via Zoom. I asked Janine Wilson to describe the Sybil outfit in more detail. It's like a cone, a circular cone base to the address, and that's blue. It's held out by irrigation pipes. When it was designed, Anne-Marie uh, had in mind covid and it actually gives you automatic distancing because <laughs> it's actually very broad. We have a red uh, top and we have a special hat. So it is so distinctive. We have yellow aprons that we pin to the front of the costume. And with that, we put our messages. And we have lots of messages. We've done a lot of different actions. And we can just select ones that we want to use for the time we've got action now no more gas i've got about 40 or 50 of them and we go and select the one that's appropriate for the action then we saw there was a melbourne-based group Uh, we were in touch and then a sewing bee occurred and 12 costumes were produced agitprops and away we went immediately wherever we went people knew what we were wanting and what we were asking So the Western Port Sibyls formed as part of one of the Mornington Peninsula's Extinction Rebellion groups. I wanted to find out more about why people, mostly women, but several men too, decided to join the group. Here's John Lorcan, who is also one of the coordinators of the Western Port Sibyls. Doing something for my grandchildren. I am so disappointed. In fact, I am depressed at the lack of action the bulk of people don't want to retool the system, which is what is needed. Hannah Lewis gave me three reasons for joining Extinction Rebellion and the Western Port Sibyls. Desperation, despair and despondency. And a bit of a catalyst was listening to an ABC interview probably about five years ago where two scientists, experts in their fields, one marine scientist, a young woman and an older man talked about the impact on their mental health of the lack of action by government and the lack of heed paid to the warnings that came from their deep research and their sense of hopelessness at a time of ecological disaster. It was an incredibly sad interview to hear particularly the man's sense of powerlessness and frustration, really moving, and I thought we're listening to people who are the absolute experts in their field, but we're not actually listening to them, and this is really frightening. Julie and Jamie Edgerton joined the Sibyls as a couple. They were relieved to find people as concerned about the environment as they were. Here's Julie. We've got people who feel like we do. We sort of thought we're a bit lonely sometimes. Each time we go on a reaction, reinforces we're doing the right thing. I was feeling really disenfranchised from our government and the fact that climate was in crisis, not just a small issue, and I didn't see our government really doing much about it. I felt I wanted to do something that bore witness to my dismay about what was happening. We all have the same concerns and fears about the future. It is just so important. We cannot not do something. When we take on the persona of the Sibyls, we process slowly to the sound of a single drumbeat in unison in procession. 
we move in a dignified manner, giving all prominence to our message. Through our stillness, we bring some sort of power to what we're doing. And there's a regality about the Sybils. We've got our headdresses and our costumes and the way the skirts move as we walk. It has a really strong performative quality. We had a very positive response from the public. I loved it. It was like, I, I can do this. It's a simple action. It requires coordination. It requires choreography. There was a huge amount of work behind the scenes to make and decorate the costumes and meetings to discuss what we were going to do. The team that developed the narration that went alongside the performance, it was really powerful and I felt that I was doing something that was productive. And that was Hannah Lewis. I asked Janine Wilson how she felt before their first big demonstration. Oh, there was a lot of apprehension. We'd done a lot of rehearsing, believe it or not. We knew exactly how it wanted to go. We didn't know how it would be received by the public. We weren't sure what security would have been around the building. Well, combination excited and um, a bit apprehensive. We had rehearsed locally. Uh, We'd learned to walk slowly. We'd learned to do it to certain movements, to certain words in the narration. We were very well prepared. It was easy. John Lorcan. And as Janine and John have both explained, there was a lot of practice, but they were ready. I wondered how people had responded to the Sybils. Here's Jamie Edgerton. (laughs) The reaction both at the Docklands and another one we did outside Parliament House Most people break into applause, get out their cameras and their videos on their phone and take videos of us. Almost no negative, a few isolated individuals upset about our messages that we carry on front of our skirts. Climate action now, but some of them are very pointed. Uh, Gas is for old farts, a very pointed but humorous message. Front and back of our costumes. So people look in in, uh, amazement. And because we're performative and we parade Solomon and have a narrator and we've got choreographed actions to match the import of the words, it's a great way, especially when it's lunchtime, everyone's out for lunch and this is great entertainment for them. We've, I think, exposed the messages to a huge number of people. They're incredibly supportive, but also thankful. When we were at uh, the Wilson Wednesdays at the um, Nepean Highway intersection just before the federal election, we'd get so many fabulous toots. You'd get people driving off to school or to work and you could almost feel them saying, thank you for doing this for us. Yesterday we were somewhere and all the school kids are, are waving at us. We have Signs that say honk for climate and children will go past on their bikes or walking and we're asking them to honk and they just say honk, honk (laughs) because they're with us. It's engaging. It means that they are looking, they can read the signs, they're very clear and they're accepting the comments that we're making, they're accepting what we're saying and I think that's heartening because they're the ones that are going to be facing the worst of climate change. Our first action was the AGL Save Western Port campaign and we took our troop of 12 Sybils up to the city and walked in performance very seriously to the AGL head office. 
and it was extraordinary for us because it was very powerful personally for our members but it was also visually quite strong and it was a fantastic action. We went to Docklands where AGL was and we spotted that the whole system was there in a way. It wasn't just AGL, it was insurance, it was banking, it was transport, it was road, rail, the whole lot was there. So we really bunged on a 30-minute turn there describing that it's the system at fault, not just one part of it. And then we stood outside AGL and there were more cops than us. <laughs> uh, but it was a really good thing we did. And then after that, we've gone up on a bus, there's 30 people, and we've got a tool that we can use again and again. So we've been Sybils at various things since that time. There's 12 civil disobedience that are part of Extinction Rebellion Western Port. The others came as backup crew, flag wavers, all sorts of wonderful support people. So uh, it was just 12 that were actually doing it, but there were 35 of us participating. And that was Tale Kenyon, one of the three coordinators of the Western Port Civil Disobedience, part of Western Port Extinction Rebellion on the Mornington Peninsula south of Melbourne. There are a group of people from a range of backgrounds, artists, computer programming, teaching, nursing, administrators, all committed to getting action, real action, on the climate crisis. You're listening to Earth Matters, produced at 3CR Community Radio Station in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I wondered what the highlights had been during their first two years as civil disobedience. Here's Jamie Edgerton. Performing and parading in front of the AGL building, this massive skyscraper, with the AGL symbol up on the building. We had a line of 10 or 12 sibyls in front of the building and behind them this massive banner, a caricature of the AGL logo to make the radiating arms look like smokestacks. And that was a great tableau to capture the whole message and the and the context. There would be so many highlights. I think our first big action that we did at Docklands was thrilling because we actually made it onto Channel 7 News. Every time we, we do something, we like to see some media report, be it social media or electronic media. And largely we've achieved that. So that's a highlight for me in particular to see that uh, there's something that marks the fact that we've been there. We joined two other wonderful XR groups. One was East Side, based around Camberwell, which was Josh Frydenberg's uh, electorate. And the other one was Tim Wilson, based in Goldstein, around the Brighton electorate. And they decided, as a small group of people, that Friday, Friday, on Friday afternoons at school pick-up time, they would go outside his electorate office and just hold some flags and some little banners saying, toot for climate crisis or toot for climate change or something like that. And similarly, at Tim Wilson's office... And we loved the idea because it's just up the road, you know, an hour away from here for us. So we decided in our costumes we could bring a little bit of colour and movement to that uh, those two campaigns. We built some wonderful friendships and camaraderie through that. 
And it felt as though we had a job on those days and it was wonderful to do and we were very pleased to feel that we contributed in in some way. We have been to demonstrations against federal politicians and those have been very effective. Two in particular have been turfed out. Uh, But those events were organised by other people. We simply went along, a few of us. We're very pleased to have been. So they were highlights. We did one at the NGV about three or four weeks ago and gave out brochures with reference to art as protest, reference to Picasso's Guernica, which was obviously being exhibited in the gallery at the time. That was a really powerful action. We had a message sent to us via Instagram to say that a woman had come down from Sydney with her two teenage sons and they'd been to the Picasso exhibition and come out and seen us perform and how it was the perfect ending to their trip to the gallery and how her sons were particularly impressed with what we were doing. And what about Anne-Marie Dalziel? the original Sybil, who started it all. Were there highlights for her? What's happening in the world is alarming. But if people are frightened, they lose their ability to step back, to think about it, to feel it, and then to reconnect with other people. Because none of us on our own can do... This isn't a hero quest. This is about reconnecting and finding what humans en masse might do to change something which is transforming the planet and and the way it functions. And if it's not functioning in a way that supports us, we're in such deep trouble. The slogans need to bring attention to that and we need to bring people's attention. I don't even want to say, oh, I could see all of that and this is what I did. It's the way knowledge emerges and grows when you bring it into relationship with other people and then you start discovering the other essential relationships that need to come with it. It's like the Victorian Sibyls who are working to protect the forests. We know we need them. We know they create the air quality that humans need to survive. And yet another part of our society is creating an onslaught on them, which is so devastating and we feel it and it fills us with grief. And so we need antidotes to that. And it was it was an enormous joy to see that the Sibyls had a little role in that. I asked Hannah Lewis what was the best thing about being part of the Western Port, civil disobedience. One moment that stood out to me was when we greeted the Nam Sibyls outside the gallery. I actually even feel emotional talking about this. And we walked towards each other with the demeanour of the Sibyls, which is very still and dignified and we just quietly high-fived I guess in a regal fashion one Western Port Sybil to one Nam Sybil and they were there for the forests and for me personally and I probably will get emotional talking about this um, what I value more than anything and why I'm driven to this protest is the river's the oceans, the forests, the plants, the animals that surround us. Uh, As an artist and gardener, that is fundamental to everything I do. 
in my printmaking practice, I I carve the flowers, the bush that I see into the lino and then I print in the form of a dress or a piece of favourite clothing because to me nature envelops you, it embraces you, it heals you. And for me, my actions are driven by a need to repair on an individual and collective level what we have done to this environment through colonisation, what we have done to this land on which I stand, what we have done to our First Nations people. I just feel that it is a responsibility that I have to do whatever I can to repair that and not to sit on my hands and to be there with Sybils from Melbourne fighting to protect these forests, this land is really fundamental to who I am as an educator, as a human being, as a grandmother, as an artist. So to meet, to unite, to see these people from all walks of life coming together and saying enough is enough, that it's not just any longer about an economic imperative that we actually have to find a new way of doing things and we have to find it now, not tomorrow, not in 10 years' time. So that coming together is a really important thing. Act now while we have time. Doing nothing risks everything. We're coming to the end of this week's edition of Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. It's been great having you join us for this show on the Extinction Rebellion, Western Port, Civil Disobedience. And a big thank you to all the Sibyls we heard from. In order of appearance, Janine Wilson, Calais Kenyon, Anne-Marie Dalziel, John Lorcan, Hannah Lewis, Julie Edgerton, and Jamie Edgerton. Thank you to the Community Radio Network for their efforts in broadcasting today's show and the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio Station in Nam, Melbourne, on Wurundjeri and Bunurong Country. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. I'm Judith Peppard, signing out for this edition of Earth Matters. Take care, stay safe wherever you are across Australia, and tune in to Earth Matters next week for more environment and social justice stories. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's Voice of Descent. 
3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march, and we say, yeah, nah. Yena Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Aotearoa, and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters. Brothers, sisters, we don't leave the fascist group. 